Welcome to the River Bluff Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the sermon from Lead Pastor Joe Still. And for more information about us, please visit riverbluff.org. Well, as Danielle uh, said a moment ago and shared with us, and we gave thanks for our Ecuador team being back. Um, we're uh, very so grateful for that. I'm so grateful for that personally. Uh, and I just want to encourage you, uh, they're going to be sharing with us next Sunday. So you may want to be here uh, for that. And some of you are saying, I'm, I'm new here. I don't know what that's about. We had a team uh, go to Ecuador and kind of get caught in the middle of um, some civil unrest in that country and it extended their time there. But uh, I've already spoken with a couple of our team members who said God did great things that were so unexpected uh, and th they would have never seen the glory of God come the way that it did had they only been there one week. And so we know that God's plans are, are bigger than ours. And they'll be sharing some of that next week. Just want to remind you of a couple of other things. Uh, this evening at 545, we have our quarterly family meeting. And we will gather to share of what God's doing. And, uh, and, and, and we'll pray. We'll spend most of our time in prayer together. So this is more of a prayer meeting than anything. I encourage you to be here at 545. We'll meet in room 105. Also, right after this service is over, for any of you who are able to stay for a few minutes and help us transform this space. Uh, tomorrow night we are privileged to host uh, the Charleston Baptist Association's annual meeting. And they're going to be meeting in here. We'll be meeting in here, uh, participating and in, in sharing with 78 other churches uh, in our city who are centered in seeing the gospel come. And it's a time when we gather together to conduct business as well as to celebrate uh, what God has been doing. We call it Kingdom Monday uh, around here because it's an opportunity, another opportunity we have to serve the the church in Charleston. So if you could stay after to help us kind of reconfigure this space, that would be very, very helpful. Um, I'm going to ask Jimmy Sanders if he would begin coming. Uh, many of you know Jimmy. He may not need an introduction. Uh, but Jimmy is one of our elders here. Jimmy has served as a pastor uh, in churches uh, in other parts of our state. And uh, But I, the thing that I'm most thankful for is that he's my brother in Christ. Jimmy's one of our elders. He serves faithfully here uh, in that capacity and many other capacities. Uh, you need to know this about Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy once committed a grave sin. Well, probably twice. Um, but I know of one. One, he, he tried to take Pam's, Pam from us. Uh, she, I, I didn't out him in the first service, but he tried to take Pam from us. And, and she's back there running slides for him today. And, uh, but he repented of his sin and we received him back warmly. Jesus did too, we know. And uh, so we are grateful today that Jimmy has agreed to come and open God's word for us. So thanks for repenting, brother. God bless you. Well, good morning. Did I put myself on? No, I'm not on. Am I on mute? Can you hear me? For, you know, they told me to put this in my pocket and don't put it on mute. And, and that's what I did in between services. And I, right before, as we were singing, I looked in my pocket and I went, oh, I need to put it on. So the sound, so you can hear me. Well, anyway, uh, when I was 16 years old, I grew up in Aiken, South Carolina at Millbrook Baptist Church. And we had Youth Sunday. And all the youth in the church were responsible for certain aspects. Some were teaching, some were leading in song, and others were preaching. And so they asked me one time to, to do that, and I had 45 pages of notes. <laughs> and I preached it in seven minutes. <laughs> You're not going to be that lucky. 
I hope not. I hope not. You might be. You might be. And so uh, while you're turning, today we're going to take a look at 1 Timothy uh, chapter 6. And uh, I know Joe has been in a sermon series of Ephesians. And so I was reading through that section where he left off and I went... I'm going to let him have it. And so uh, let him do that. And so, uh, uh, so I was directed to uh, 1 Timothy uh, uh, chapter 6, verse 11. And before I begin, I want to, I want to talk a couple things. And then we'll, uh, I want to share a story with you. And then uh, we'll get into our sermon this morning. I read of a man who stood to speak at the funeral of a friend. He referred to the dates on the tombstone from the beginning to the end. He noted that first came the date of birth and spoke of the following date with tears. But he said what mattered most of all was the dash between those years. For that dash represents all the time they spent alive on earth. And now only those who love them know what that little line is worth. For it matters not how much we own, the cars, the house, the cash... What matters most is how we live and love and how we spend our dash. So think about it long and hard are the things you like to change for you never know how much time is left that can still be rearranged. To be less quick to anger, show appreciation more, love the people in our lives like we never loved before. If we treat each other with respect and more often wear a smile, remembering that this special dash might only last a little while. So when your eulogy is preached, with your life's actions to rehash, would you be proud of the things they say about how you lived your dash? I was looking through some, uh, if you go down to downtown Charleston, there are a lot of neat tombstones in some of the cemeteries. And I like to read, uh, mine started in 1966. So if you're counting, I'm 53 years old. And so uh, I have a dash and then I have the rest of my life until God calls me home. And so how do I want to spend that dash? So I was reading uh, uh, online and looking at some tombstones. And so these ones that caught my attention. And so one of them says, uh, a a tombstone in Arizona said, Here lies Lester Moore, four slugs from a 44. No less, no more. Rodney Dangerville's tombstone said, There goes the neighborhood. A cemetery in Georgia said, I told you I was sick. These last two caught my eye and caught my attention and really spoke to me in a very powerful way. One of them said, a Maryland, the tombstone in Maryland said this, Here lies an atheist, all dressed up and no place to go. An unknown tombstone said this, So much to do, so little done. So much to do. So little done. So, to start off with, I want to ask two questions this morning. The first is, how do you want to run the rest of your dash? We know that we can't change our past, but we can choose today to make a brand new future. Second question I want to ask is, how do you and I become more like Christ? How do you, how do you and I become 
more like Christ. It's my prayer this morning that you and I will be able to walk away today with a greater understanding of how we should run the race God set before us and how we should live out our dash. You and I have a different race to run. Your race is different than mine, but we all have the same goal, and that is uh, the prize that is uh, for which God has called us heavenward in Christ Jesus. Uh, before I begin, I pray that let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you this morning for your word that you've given to us. And I pray this morning that you would um, quicken, my, uh, soften my heart, uh, keep me from being so fast in my speech, and that uh, uh, I would be able to speak clearly to someone here today who needs to hear what you have for them and so, Father, we thank you for what you're going to do in our midst. We praise you. Speak to us. Our ears are open. Your servants are listening. Be with us now in Jesus' name. Amen. First Timothy uh, chapter 6, if, uh, if you found it already, it says in verse 11, But as for you, O man, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, Faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called, about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In this passage of Scripture, the Apostle Paul is the one who has been proven. He is one who has run the race. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, he writes, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race I have kept the faith. The Apostle Paul had great credibility in the life of Timothy. And as he speaks to Timothy and as he's speaking to River Bluff this morning and to all generations who come after us to give you an understanding about the race we call the Christian life, the Apostle Paul had the credibility of a Hall of Famer. The Bible says in Acts chapter 13 and 14, Paul went down to a town called Antioch one day, preaching that salvation is only in Jesus as we believe, trust in, and rely in Him. And they didn't like that many people were coming to accept Jesus as Lord, so they got together and talked about stoning Paul. So he leaves Antioch and goes to a town called Iconium. And there again, people talked about stoning him because of his speaking boldly in the Lord. So he leaves Iconium and he goes to Lystra and while he was there the people of Iconium came and stirred up a riot turning some people against Paul and Barnabas and dragged Paul outside of the city and stoned the Apostle Paul. Many people believe that uh, Paul died that day but was revived to continue his ministry in Philippi. And while he was there, the Bible says that they beat him with rods, threw him into prison because of his faith. The Apostle Paul writes to Timothy is not so Johnny-come-lately, but one who has the wounds and the scars on his body for the sake of Christ. He would go on to tell us in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he said, Five times I received at the hands of the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people. Danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, in the wilderness, danger at sea, and danger 
from false prophets. Everywhere Paul went preaching the good news of Jesus Christ, people wanted to kill him because he preached the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. When Paul writes to Timothy, and he tells him about this Christian, the Christian race, Timothy understands that Paul is pouring out his heart, not out of a head knowledge, but out of a life experience. And Paul would tell Timothy, and he tells us about this race. In order to run the race, in order to live out your dash, you need to know some things. But he says, but you, man of God, before you run that race, before you run out on the field, understand something. The first thing that you must do to live out your dash is to run the race with a new expectation. Run the race with a new expectation. He says, but you. Paul just told Timothy about the sins of their society and of their day, by which, by the way, is not so much different than ours today. In the book of Ephesians, uh, Timothy was the pastor at Ephesus. And as you're aware, Pastor Joe has been leading us in a sermon series in Ephesians. And so we're going to take a look in a few minutes. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, 17 and 19 says this. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God uh, because of the ignorance that is in them. Due to their hardness of heart, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. He told Timothy about all kinds of sins that were going on. And he says to Timothy, he says, but you, but you, I expect you to be different. I expect you to be different. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ today, you understand that when you invited Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior and come into your life, and that you desire to change that only He can do. He wants you to know Him in all of His fullness and all of His grace. And He wants to utilize the gifts and talents that he's given to you where you live, work, and play so you can make a difference in the lives of the people that are around you. So Paul says to Timothy, but you. And he's saying to me and to you this morning, he's saying, River Bluff, you, man of God. River Bluff, you, woman of God. River Bluff, you, child of God. You, be different. Wherever you are at, in life, I know what you're going through. I, I know what they are saying. I know what you're, they're doing. But you, you be different. You run the race with a new expectation. Never, never, never fall for the lie that would simply make you believe that Jesus would send His one and only Son Give us His Holy Word and indwell in us with the power of the Holy Spirit and not change our lives. That's worth repeating. Never, 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 never fall for the lie that would simply make you believe that Jesus would send His one and only Son, give us His Holy Word, indwell us in the power of the Holy Spirit and not change our lives. 
The Lord Jesus Christ today wants to change the direction of your life. He commands us to be different. It's not optional. He, we are commanded to be different people. We, are in, we need to be of this world, but not in this world. 1 Peter 2.11 says this, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. Philippians 3.20 says this, our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Is there a difference in your life? Can people see change taking place in your life? Everything God commands of you, He empowers you to do. What God commands of you, expects of you, God empowers you to do it. The best way I can explain this is suppose you are a basketball player. And Michael Jordan, who I believe is the greatest basketball player to ever play, comes into your locker room. Well, come to find out you are, well not only, not only are you a basketball player, you're a bench warmer. Not only are you a bench warmer, you are a downright scrub. You didn't get in the game last year. You're not getting in the game. You didn't get in the game last week, this week, or next week, or the year after that because you are bad. You are a bench warmer. And Michael Jordan comes up to you and he goes, Hey, Joe, taps him on the shoulder and says, uh, How about if I come in your body? And Joe says, yeah, because I'm not going to be playing. And so, uh, so Michael Jordan steps into Joe's body and he zips up. All the finesse of Michael Jordan belongs to you. All the agility belongs to you. All the proudness belongs to you. All the tenacity belongs to you. And all those championship rings belong to Joe. And in the background, you can hear that song from Space Jam. I believe I can fly. <laughs> I believe I can fly. You can fly. Not because of anything that you have done, but because Michael Jordan is living inside of you. It's the same way with Jesus Christ. He comes into your life. He will take away your, all your inadequacies, all your doubt, all your worries, all your fears, and He will live through you. Galatians 2.20 puts it this way, I have been crucified with Christ. It is I who no longer live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When you trusted Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit came to live inside of you. And Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And one of my favorite verses is John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. He lives in you. And what he's saying is simply this. I will live the Christian life through you. The Christian life is hard and impossible for you to live by yourself. That's why you need a body of believers to walk alongside you and encourage you and to pray for you.
Paul says to Timothy, you have to run with a new expectation. God expects you to live differently because of the work he done on the cross at Calvary. When Jesus came into your life, he washed you, he sanctified you or blessed you. He set you apart to accomplish his purposes. With God, you're not a zero. You're not a minus one. You have been set apart to accomplish a task or a purpose that only you can fulfill. A purpose and a task that's only for you. Not for me, but for you. Take hold of that. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. The old life is behind you and you are a new creation. So God expects you to run with a new expectation. The second thing you must do to live out your dash set before you is to run the race with a new identification. Run the race with a new identification. Paul tells Timothy, but you, man of God, not only you to run with a new expectation, you're to run with a new identification. Paul writes, you are a child of God. Paul, or John puts it this way in John 1.12, he says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. I have a new identification. If you do not understand who you are in Christ, you will not know how to live. If you do not understand who you are in Christ, you will not know how to live. My identification in Christ gives me certain privileges. That new identification gives me guidance on how I should live my life. If you forget who you are, you won't know how to live your life. It's vitally important to go to the Word of God and remind yourself of the promises of God. If you go through this uh, Bible here, every day, 365 days a year, there is a promise for you. All we have to do is open it up and read it. One of those promises is that I will never leave you nor forsake you. Another one that I, you know, have a purpose and a plan for your life. We all have purpose. We all have meaning. So take advantage of the identification of God guiding my life every day that I live. Secondly, my privilege is I am an ambassador. An ambassador is one who speaks on our behalf. Uh, the, the Ecuador team went to Ecuador uh, not only to represent the cause of Christ, but also to be our ambassador here at River Bluff. Uh, wherever you might be, you're his ambassador. You might, I always tell people, I am a missionary cleverly disguised as a hospice chaplain. I am a missionary cleverly disguised as a hospice chaplain. Whatever line of work you're in, guess what? You're a missionary who just happens to be a teacher. 
you're a missionary who just happens to work at Boeing. And you have that opportunity to make a difference in their lives. I was telling the, the first service, uh, I, had a, I had the privilege uh, maybe, maybe a year and a half, two years ago, of uh, leading, well, I have many opportunities uh, since then, but I've had, had an opportunity uh, to lead one of my patients uh, to Christ. Or I had the, uh, uh, was a part of doing that. He had a cousin that wrote him a letter. And I went to go see him, and I walked in, and this gentleman, who, had, who was rough and tough, was bawling. And uh, you know, I, every day when I go to work, I have no idea what I'm going to walk into. And sure enough, he says, I, I need you to read this, because I can't read it. I don't understand it. And so he handed me the letter, and I began to, uh, to read the letter, and it just said... For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in me should not perish but have everlasting life. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so uh, I said, do you understand what that means? And he goes, yes, you've been working on me for over a year, sending me a letter week by week by week. And I want to know, can you, can, I, can you help me do something? I said, what's that? He said, I want to ask Jesus into my life. I said, well, good, let's do that. So we did that. So I, I, see, I see, saw him on a weekly basis. And the next week he called me up and he says, uh, what, what day are you coming by? And I was reading my Bible and, and I think I need to have the Lord's Supper. Can you provide me the Lord's Supper? And I said, absolutely. So I went over there and I said, what do you have at your house? And he said, I got some crackers. I have some, yeah, I have some crackers. So I went by and got some juice and... We just did a little one-on-one -on -one, uh, Lord's Supper kind of thing. And he, uh, man, that really meant a lot. And he's bawling. And of course, you know, guys, we don't usually cry that much. But he was, he was crying. And then the next week he says, I've been reading the Bible again. And, and, and I feel like I need to be baptized. And this guy's real frail and not uh, feeling good. And so I got with one of my home health aides. And got her water basin and went over to, to one that she washes hair with. And so I gently laid his head back in the water and was able to baptize him as my brother in Christ. Three weeks later, I had the privilege and honor of preaching his funeral. What a neat opportunity. We are in his ambassador. We speak on behalf of Jesus. How are you used in your life to make a difference to those around you? How are you used? Are you taking advantage of being used by him? Not only are we, he gives us guidance and we're his ambassador, but also we are a joint heir with Jesus. I still can't uh, wrap my mind around being a joint heir with Jesus. But I am a joint heir with him. And when I get to heaven and God asks me, why should I let you into my kingdom? And I'm going to look to him. And I said, because I'm a joint heir with Jesus. And hold on to him. Not only that, you're a son and daughter of Jesus Christ. I want you to hear that again. You're a son and daughter 
of God. That's your identity. That's who you are in Christ. Whatever God says about you is true and not what you think about yourself. Timothy, I want you to run the race with a new identification. One of my favorite movies is uh, The Lion King, and uh, the original one. Uh, I have not seen the newer one, newer one yet, but uh, I know it's came, it came back out. But I, I, I enjoy watching uh, The Lion King, the original one, back in so many years ago. Uh, and you remember the, the movies about a, a, a lion named Mufasa? And Mufasa has a son named Scar, a son named Simba, and Simba has an uncle named Scar. And Scar convinces Simba that he is the cause of Mufasa's death. So Simba runs away from lion country. He's dejected. He's perplexed because he thinks he is the cause of Mufasa, the king, his father's death. So he runs away, and he starts hanging out with a weasel and a pig. They have Simba eating what they eat. Insects. Bugs. Simba is being very unlion-like. Very unkingly. And one day, Mafiki comes along with a stick and some coconuts. And he finds Simba and he takes him to a pond and Simba looks into the pond and he sees the reflection of his father Mufasa. And Mufasa says to Simba, and in my great James Earl Jones rendition of this line in, this line in the movie, Simba, Simba, you have not yet become who you are. Simba, Simba, you have not yet become who you are. Did you catch that? Did you catch that this morning? You are not, you have not yet become who you are. Here's the point, Simba. You're the king. You have the right to the throne, but you're not living like a king. Now you go back to lion country, take your throne, and be the king you were designed to be. The point for you and for me is this. You are a child of God. You are a child of God. If you know Jesus Christ this morning, live like it. If you know Jesus, act like it. If you know Jesus, walk like it. Talk like it. God is saying right now that you have not yet become who you are, so start being all God wants you to be. You have not yet become who you are. So start being all God wants you to be. Paul says to Timothy, I want you to run the race with a new identification. In that same passage of 1 Timothy in verse 12, he says, Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called, about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. The third thing you must do to live out your dash in the Christian race is run with a new orientation. Timothy, I want you to think differently. River Bluff, I want you to think differently. The way you think determines how you live. Here's a couple of things I want you to pursue. 
I want you to pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. I also would equate that to the fruit of the Spirit. There's nine of them, and I'll try to remember all nine of them. Uh, fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Pursue those things. Pursue those things in my name. Scripture says in Romans chapter 12 verse 2, he says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You act that way because you think that way. You go to God and ask Him to change the way you think. Listen. It's not up to you to show God how strong you are as a Christian. That's not what God wants of you. God doesn't want you to find that sin line and then get close enough that you step over it. He wants you to back up 500 feet and make that your sin line. Don't you get close to sin, play with sin, cuddle with sin and try to prove to someone you're not going to commit it. In your mind, you've already committed it. We often heard that phrase, sin will uh, take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you far more then you want to pay. Finally, if you're going to live out your dash, run that race, you must run the race with a new determination. A new determination. Verse 12 again says, Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession and the presence of, my, of many witnesses. There are some things that you must do to determine to run the race. One is determine to renew a right spirit in your mind. That is a daily, daily occurrence. Sometimes it's a moment by moment occurrence to renew our minds. Uh, David, the psalmist wrote, created me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Renew that right spirit in me. That's on a daily thing. A daily habit that you and I should uh, strive to become. Second is determine to let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Let no un unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. When I was a little boy, uh, I don't know when it started, how it started, why it started. But I started learning cuss words. And I used them every day. I practiced them at school and came home and practiced them again. My mom, love her to death, she's one that said, if I hear you say another cuss word, I'm going to wash your mouth out with soap. Well, for the next uh, three months, that was happening. 
washing my mouth out with soap every day. And so uh, time for my dental appointment. And I went to, uh, I, I grew up in Aiken and Dr. Patrick Sheehan was our longtime family dentist and uh, he's cleaning my teeth and he goes, I'm proud of you, Jimmy. You sure do got some clean, you sure do have some, a clean mouth. I said I ought to. My mom, my mom washes my mouth out with soap every day. He literally had to walk out of the room. He was laughing so hard. So right before he retired, I went back to him one more time because I knew he was retiring. And so I'm sitting in his uh, chair and first thing he says when he sat down, he says, do you remember? I said, yes, sir. I remember my mom washing my mouth out with soap. So let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. And sometimes that has to be on a daily basis. Sometimes you may have to change the channel that you're listening to on the radio and on TV. Sometimes you just got to walk away. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. And finally, determine to be an encourager. I didn't share this in uh, the first service, but I think I want to do that this morning in this one. Um, Six years ago, my brother took his life by suicide. And I determined, my, my sister had a poem that says, Be a faucet, not a drain. Be a faucet, not a drain. And it breaks my heart every day. Because I wish there were people, I wish there were other people who would have encouraged him, who would have loved him, who would have cared for him. Be an encourager. Be a faucet, not a drain. Do you realize the words that you speak on a daily basis? Are they uplifting? Or do they tear down? Determine to be an encourager. I choose. I choose to be an encourager. I have these purple ribbons that uh, Pam cut up for me um, to serve as a reminder of your dash. There's some on the back tables. They're all going to be up here for you to grab. Want them to serve as a reminder of the dash that only you have. The dash that only you have. The dash that I have to run. I choose today, I choose right now to run that race. Differently than when I walked in this morning with the power 
and the direction of the Holy Spirit. Pray with me. Father, we, we come into your presence knowing that you have spoken to us today. Knowing that you have a calling upon our life that we must be obedient to run, to answer. So thank you, Father, that we can run with a new determination. Thank you that we can run with a new identification. And so, Father, help us in the days to come be more like you and to start running our race. Some might be here this morning that have been off the course and have gotten wayward. So I'm asking you to bring them to the cross this morning. For it is in the power and the wonderful name of Jesus we ask these things. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening. If you're in North Charleston this Sunday, please consider visiting us at our 9 o'clock or 1130 services. We'd love to see you. Again, for more information, visit riverbluff.org. Now go change the world.